0: play on dirt and rocks and pebbles. You know, that's where the toughness in me comes from. And, and I think my peers around me like the way that I go about myself. Mm-hmm. Trey is a guy that, you know, really believed in me. You know, a- anything he says, you know, I'm, I'm gonna go out there and try to do it my, the best way I can.
1: hey there viking fans welcome to episode 56 of the minnesota vikings podcast this episode and this entire podcast is brought to you by verizon the network more people rely on gives you more i am joined by chris corso jay nelson from vikings.com and boys verizon vikings training camp has shifted into full gear Monday, pads went on and practice got real. Uh, We're going to take a look at a few of the things that are transpiring and a few of the names that are really being talked about. Kirk Cousins had a press conference. We're going to get into that a little bit. We have some quarterback news from around the league. And then our young Chris Corso will interview Hercules Mata'afa, Vikings defensive lineman and great name-haver at the end of the show. So buckle up. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, and let's get into it. Cam Danskler, guys. That's all I'm hearing. I saw a PA charge Nordo. Everybody, Vikings.com. Everybody is losing their damn mind about Cam Danskler, and, and and we kind of knew that there was that that narrative might exist because I think a lot of us felt like we got a steal with him where we drafted him. I think he personally felt like he underperformed and got underranked via his, you know, his 40 time and some other things. I think he's got a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. And so, so we all knew there was a, a possibility that he would come in and pop. But people are really going nuts about this. Chris Corso, as somebody who pays an incredible amount of close attention to every single thing that's happening right now at our facility, wh- why is this hype booming so hard, and should I be buying into it?
2: Well, Sai, he's had a few interceptions so far at Verizon Vikings training camp, so those definitely stood out. But there was a play against Adam Thielen where he chased him all the way down the field and made a diving deflection, which stood out big time. Coach Zimmer was asked about that today and noted that play rather than the interceptions. Coach Zimmer also talked about how Adam Thielen, number 19, stopped him at practice and said, hey, that number 27 is going to be a really good player.
1: Yeah, Chris, I think anytime you're a young cornerback who's immediately getting praise from the best cornerbacks coach of the last few decades, that that is probably a good reason for people to get enthusiastic and get hyped up. Jay, when, when a player's name booms like this, there's always a little bit of potential for, for, for them to buy into their own hype. It doesn't se- Dancer doesn't seem like that sort of guy. He seems like the sort of guy who, who will have a continuous chip on his shoulder, no matter what anybody's saying about it.
3: I think the thing for him is the chip for sure is is not going away just because of some training camp buzz that he's receiving, whether it's on social media or whatever. Yeah, he's got to be liking the way that things are starting so far during camp, but the biggest thing for me that I keep thinking about is you hear Zimmer and other coaches on the staff for the last how many years when they get to the big moments and everyone's talking them up and talking about how great they are saying, don't take the cheese. And so for myself, I'm just sitting there saying, I think he's got the right people around him, the right coaches, the right players around him to help make sure that he keeps a level head. But if he can keep progressing like he is at this point as a rookie and making more of these highlight type plays, there's no doubt he's going to be playing on Sundays this season.
1: Also, don't take the cheese as the poster in every Wisconsin doctor's office in that state. Uh, Chris Corso, let's bounce from Dantzler. Who You know, I think people were psyched when we drafted him, but he's a little bit of a surprise that he's popping so early to a guy everybody thought would be popping early. Justin Jefferson is continuing to impress as things get going here. Uh, He was on the COVID list right away and came back like he hardly missed a beat, Chris.
2: Yeah, the Vikings put him in a hotel room and he decided not to leave At all for at least a week. And reporters asked him, what did you do to stay busy? And he said, I have a few friends at home that I made them play video games online with me because I needed some sort of interaction he noted his PlayStation 4 as being uh, what got him through that time. So, but the coaches and players this week, they were all like, "Man, this guy is the one of the funniest players in the locker room." BC Johnson said he's one of the, he's just fit in, Nash, like he's just fit in with the veterans. Not many rookie first-round picks can do that. And then you have Gary Kubiak saying, "Man, this is the first-round talent that we drafted. He's picking up the plays right away." Uh, Gary Kubiak has a connection with the LSU quarterbacks coach last year, so there's a little bit of a similarity in the offense. I think it's all helping Justin Jefferson belong with the Vikings at training camp.
1: Yeah, I think that's anytime, especially with the with the rules in place due to COVID and the pandemic. The fact that you know a lot of the system is is very similar, just with different terminology. That's really, really good news for Vikings fans and Jay. It seems from everything I've heard people say, and and the things we hear coming out of the building, I think people are supr- maybe not surprised, but genuinely impressed with how versatile he seems thus far.
3: Yeah, that was one of the things that even Kirk Cousins uh, mentioned in his press conference was talking about Justin being that first round talent, and part of the reason why he is is because he can play multiple positions. So they're saying because he can play in the slaughter, he can play outside. It, it's something as a rookie that is a, a nice luxury to have. And like you had said as well, Corso, the fact that it's a similar system to LSU, that is helping expedite his, his ability as a rookie to get up to speed, especially when he didn't have the offseason like most normal seasons would be for rookies. So somebody like Justin Jefferson with his God-given ability, his catch radius, and the fact that He is as versatile as he is. I think as the season goes along and they give him more and more of the playbook, you'll see Justin Jefferson continue to grow as a top talent for this Vikings offense.
1: You know, it's interesting. He almost has that vibe that if if we found out they were going to hand the ball off to him a few times a game, you're like, oh, it's Percy Harvin. Obviously, obviously, he's a very different player. But outside of handoffs, everybody seems impressed with the multitude uh, of things he can do. This wide receiver situation is going to be interesting. I, I was having a conversation with somebody the other day, and all they wanted to talk about was, and I may have mentioned this on the podcast before, so I, I apologize if I am repeating myself, but a lot of people are so interested in who's going to be the number three. How does this fall together? Who's the number three? And, and even assuming Jefferson is the two, and if Jefferson's not in Sharp is, who, who it is it? Because you got Sharp, Jefferson, BB and Ola B.C. Johnson fighting for those kind of two spots right there. To me, the more interesting topic isn't who's going to be the number three. It should be you lost Stefan Diggs. You lost a dynamic duo. But somehow, I can't remember the last time I felt like we had three viable candidates for a third wide receiver spot. I mean, is this depth at this position at this point in camp, is this in your guys' opinion, greater than anything you've seen in recent years? I mean, I know we, we can go all the way back to three deep with Moss, Carter, and Jake Reed. We're, let's not get silly here. But since then, I, I can't remember the last time I felt good about four or five guys on the roster, Chris.
2: Yeah, I had a conversation with Ola B.C. Johnson recently, and, and I asked him what the ceiling is for this Vikings group. And he said, you know what, we're young, but we don't have a ceiling. Like there is no ceiling because we're going to shock people this year. We have a lot of young players. One we're going to touch on here pretty shortly in the draft. KJ Osborne out of the university of Miami was,
1: we haven't even gotten to him. We're talking we're talking about these other guys and, and there's all this hype about Osborne keep going. But that that's what I'm saying. That's, that's somebody that everybody is talking about and he's not even in the one through five conversation necessarily.
2: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like we have Tajay Sharp who was added in free agency, Ola BC Johnson coming back for year two. After having three touchdown catches last year, he's he's kind of the veteran of the crew. He was talking about KJ Osborne and and some of these younger guys asking him for some advice and, and Ola BC Johnson's twenty-three years old. So it's just amazing the the depth and, and the young talent that we have in this room. It's very unknown and very unexpected. But they think the ceiling's high.
1: Yeah, and and I think you know, just off the top of my head, you know, and I'm not gonna sit here and say that this is gonna be some big booming. Like I know for sure that these receivers are gonna crush. I'm just excited about the depth. I think you probably and somebody'll will, will Twitter, uh, Twitter at me and tell me how wrong I am. But you know, I we've always struggled. You know, Laquan Treadwell never quite lived up to what we hoped he would, and and didn't fill that third spot. And really solidify the Thielen and Diggs core. And so you have to go back and back and back. And maybe, you know, just off the top of my head, you're talking Sidney Rice, Percy Harvin, and Bernard Berrien. That was a hell of a receiving core right there. But my hope is, despite losing Stefan Diggs, we might be, Jay, in a position to have one of the deeper receiving cores we've had in a long time.
3: That was exactly what I was going to bring up was that 2019 because, you know, we we grabbed Percy Harvin, who was a top tier talent. But the Sydney Rice, Bernard Berrien, and then the speed of Percy Harvin during that 2009 season when Brett Favre was able to, to play with those weapons, that offense just went nuts. And so we all we know what kind of offense we had in that 2009 season. And when you go back and look at some of the numbers that we did a, a week or two ago, and we were talking about the Vikings offense scoring more points and being more prolific and, and doing more within the top five in the league. That was that crop of, of wide receivers. So if we can replicate that this year with a bunch of young new talent coming in and we get everybody on the same page with Kirk, that potentially could be lethal for this offense.
1: And let me put my Homerism away just for a second. There's no part of me that expects this core out the gate to live up to Harvin, Berrien, and Sidney Rice. That was a magical year. I'm just saying, I I think, I think you can be, rather than focusing on who the number three is going to be, I think you can be excited that it feels like we have one through five in a season where depth is going to be monumentally important. And then let's get to the guy you mentioned, Chris, KJ Osborne he's he's becoming a hot topic and, and making a case for the Vikings keeping six wide receivers because he's very shifty and really could make a difference on the, the kick and punt return teams.
2: Is it bad to say that he kind of reminds me a little bit of Cordero Patterson? Like, I see the big body type. I see the – I mean, he's very – um, in there on the punt and kick returns. He's been taking a ton of those. For, uh, Vikings fans can go check that out on, on the training camp live broadcast the other day. Um, P.A. and those guys were talking about how he's the number one right now to be a punt and kick returner for the Vikings in the upcoming season. So I see a little Cordero Patterson. I'm, I'm going with the, with the comparison. I'm, I'm throwing it out there. I don't care. We're yeah.
1: going to have to call this episode uh, Ridiculous Expectations. I'm sitting here like a Bobo going, yeah, one of the better receiver cores of all time. And Chris is calling K.J. Osborne one of the best kick <laughs> and punt returners of the last 20 years in the NFL. I love it, Chris. For the first time, I feel like you. I know I'm going to take that back. I don't feel like you because the the audience can't see this right now. But Chris Corso is wearing a Peloton T-shirt, like a like a T-shirt that just I didn't even know that you could get a Peloton shirt. Chris, did you? What did you buy that at the caviar store? Where the hell do you get a Peloton brand
2: T-shirt? you have to get to a hundred rides and throwing it out there and you get the free shirt. So,
1: Oh, so you wore it. So you could boast. This was, this was not only, not only did you want the audience to know that you could afford a Peloton, but that you're actually one of the five people who rides it after they buy it.
2: You got to get through quarantine. That was the only way I could do it, man. Other than talking to you, I don't know how else I would get through it.
1: Yeah. And I honestly, I don't think talking to each other has helped either of us at all at get all. through quarantine, not remotely. Uh, speaking of the things that Chris loves, Kirk Cousins had his press conference on Wednesday <laughs> and yeah, he talked to the media about a whole host of topics. Chris, your boy, uh, we already touched on this. He went into Justin Jefferson a little bit and, uh, and him playing multiple spots. You know, it was interesting to hear his perspective, Jay, on the cornerback play because he's seeing it from the other side. He's going at them. So it was interesting to hear him talk about that.
3: That's the, the discussion similar to the Dantzler side. They said just as a whole, you know, how are you feeling? And he's seeing those guys make plays. And that includes not only the cornerbacks, but your safeties and Harrison Smith, who's been having a pretty dang good uh, uh, short run here in camp. But like as as a whole, they they kind of asked them, they're a very young group. And how do you think that they're doing at this point? And he just said, you know, they're handling it really well. And there's a lot being thrown at them in a very finite and, and, and I guess short amount of time. And they're going to be coached well because you've got one of the best secondary coaches, period. For them, it bodes well if, if Zimmer and the, the coaching staff are able to get everybody up to speed as quickly as possible. I think this young cornerback crew could solidify as a, as a group behind all of the senior leadership that's also in the secondary at the safety position.
1: And Corso, he touched on, uh, he got into Alexander Madison a little bit. And, uh, you know, th- that was interesting to hear because I think whenever we hear Kirk talk about the running game, it's not that he doesn't dive deep on Alexander Madison, but everybody wants to talk about Dalvin Cook.
2: Yeah, the big thing was he was like, the only weakness that Alexander Madison has is that Dalvin Cook is on this roster. He touched on the fact that Madison has been making crazy catches out of the backfield so far in training camp. He talked about his blocking ability as the pads have gone on the past couple days. And he really, like, he doesn't lose a beat. He doesn't miss a beat when number 33 comes out of the game and, and Madison comes in. So that was the biggest thing for Kirk.
1: And can I tell you what what all of this, everything we've talked about so far uh, leads me to the place this is my number one takeaway. It's something I thought in the off season, but now it's it's just being cemented. Um, I you know we've talked about Kirk a lot on this show. I'm obviously a big Kirk fan. Um, but I think the interesting thing here is it feels so apparent to me that everything is in place for him. when, when every topic we talk about. We can all, it's almost six degrees of something that fits Kirk Cousins. When you talk about the wide receiver core and its depth and the style of players they are, you easily go, and they're the exact sort of players Kirk Cousins likes. When you talk about the running game, you know, you have one of the best running games, but you just hit it. You also have another back, a third down back, who can both block and catch out of the backfield. I mean, it's just absolutely perfect. Assuming that our offensive line takes the step that we hope they take this year and and progress enough to to protect him in the way he needs to be protected. I, I just think, and I'm excited for this. I've said this on this podcast before. I will say it again and again and again, you should be excited that he is in a place to answer the question that everybody has about him. Now, now I personally think that saints moment last year, throwing that ball in the most high pressure position, high-pressure moment of his entire career. I think that's going to be a snowball. I think you're going to see a lot of that aura come off him and just see him playing football. And I think every step this year is going to be a step forward. But we are exactly where we need to be. You, Kirk gets to do – he gets to walk out there and do it. And for those of us who believe in him, he gets to show there's – no, there's really no excuses right now. There's no excuses and there's no, you know, there's no need to be negative we believe in the guy, we gave him the money, and now he gets to go out there and prove it. And that just keeps being the running theme in my brain throughout the offseason, and now it's being cemented in camp. And I'm, I'm excited about that. I think some people look at that with negative expectations and think, you know, here's how I'm going to be right about Kirk Cousins and what he's not good at. If that's the way you're going to live your life, fine. To me, here's, here's, I am ready to go the opposite side of it. This is finally built the way he wants. Everybody's behind him. Let's go. Go do the thing we all think you can do, Kirk. And I'm really, really enthusiastic about
3: that, Jay. One of the things about Kirk is that he's you know, turning 32. He's now one of the elder statesmen on this team with a bunch of the older veterans who are now gone. One of the things that was brought up to him was that Fran Tarkington didn't make his first Super Bowl until after the age of 32, And so he was kind of joking, saying, well, at least you're telling me that he did it after the age of 32 instead of before. But at this point for him, like you said, he's got all the pieces around him. And if the rest of the team solidifies and gels that way, that's when this team with a veteran leader at quarterback can make a deep run deep into the playoffs.
0: Well,
1: it just it just keeps peaking in my brain. I was on a a friend's friend's podcast the other night and they're diehard Eagle and Giant fans. And uh, they're huge Zimmer fans. So we were talking Zimmer. We were talking the changes on defense. And then we got to Kirk. And just like all over this country, one of them was a Kirk guy and one of them wasn't a Kirk guy. And it just, it just rattled and solidified into my brain as they were going back and forth. I was like, guys, you don't need to go back and forth. We're going to get the answer. You know, he, everything is right there. We are going to see it this season, Chris.
2: Yeah, for every uh, Kirk guy, I think you have two non-Kirk guys. (laughs) I think that's more of what it's like in this world. But uh, I just want to touch on, you talked about all the weapons he had. Did you see the picture of the Vikings running backs, Cy, at at training camp the other day? No, I didn't. They look like they've been working out with Daniil Hunter. Like, Like,
1: Oh, yes. The one where they look like they're on the Monstars squad in in Space Jam.
2: Mike Boone might be like as – as big as either of those guys, and Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison, so talk about weapons. I think that that room is going to be a big deal for him this year.
1: All right, well, let's transition from our quarterback out into the rest of the NFL and all the quarterbacks out there. we uh, well, a couple quick questions. Alex Smith has somehow returned to practice for the first time in twenty one months. Unbelievable. He suffered a compound and spiral fracture of his tibia and fibia that became infected. You know, he, he ended up doing his, his rehab at uh, the Center for the Intrepid down in San Antonio, Texas, Jay, where they rehab a lot of wounded military veterans dealing with injuries like amputated limbs and war wounds. And his doctor actually said his broken leg looked more like a war injury than a sports injury. That's incredible. That's, it's incredible that he's stepping back on the field.
3: To see Alex Smith, let alone walking normally, but now on a football field, is incredible, like you said. And the main reason why is because he was basically on death's door. He was at the point where it not only he had necrotic infection in his leg. They're talking about having to amputate his leg. They're talking about him losing his life because of the, the septic shock that he was in. And for him to go through a 21-month process, not only a fighting for his life, but now coming back and having uh, skin grafts and muscle transfers and everything else to try and repair the damage, it it, it truly is incredible that it took over 600 days and, and double-digit surgeries for him to heal those injuries. It's unbelievable the amount of fortitude that he had. And one of the things that they talked about was the doctor for the Washington football team worked with that uh, Center for the Intrepid and was able to get him in there. And he said once uh, he was able to talk to the different wounded warriors that actually helped give him some motivation for kind of going like they're dealing with this. I can try and handle my business on my end and see where I can get to. And it just kind of lit a fire for him to fight as hard as he could to, to make a change for himself. So it truly is incredible to see him get on the field at this point.
1: 640 days 17 surgeries and and Jay I think you're exactly right with your last point there I've been fortunate enough to do a couple things uh with the wounded warriors here in Minnesota and that group of men and women is so just I mean inspiring basically when when you when you see when you see the things that they have had to deal with to continue to try to get back to the to their lives and their families and their things being around people like that has got to be nothing more than, than monumental, you know, in terms – especially if you're dealing with a very different backstory but a very similar uh, physical situation. Uh, Chris, if he steps foot – I mean, this Viking fans know this. When Teddy Bridgewater walked onto that field for the very first time, it was that that was loudest. Incredible. It, it was it was as loud as almost any moment that I've been a part of as a fan for that team. If this guy even sets foot on a football field this year, he should be a shoe in for comeback player of the year. If he, if he snaps a single football, I think he deserves it. And then a guy who I never really cared about one way or another, I'm just an immediate fan of hoping we get to see that moment where he returns to his life in this way.
2: Yeah, I mean, I watched the E60 on ESPN. Incredible. It's incredible. Probably one of the most, like, I was, like, almost in tears. (laughs) Like, yeah, I mean, how could you not root for this guy? I mean, it's unbelievable that he even wants to play football. Like, most people would say, made a lot of money in my career. I was a first overall draft pick. I played in big games, never won the big one. But, man, a lot of people would say that, let's hang it up at this point. He's got a, a nice family you see the video of them all like shooting champagne as he's been cleared uh, to, to finally participate in football activities. So it's an amazing story. We're all going to track it, that's for sure, because it's more of a story about perseverance and, and human just, just perseverance to not give up and, and keep on going. I probably would have called it quits and and never played again at that point and had a couple of beers uh, on the weekends. I was going to
1: say, I, (laughs) I am an insanely competitive guy, like ruin my relationship with a family member for a while competitive sort of guy. And even I was like, you know what? I think I'd probably hang it up. So I can't imagine the drive inside Alex Smith's brain to that, that sort of, uh, you know, competitive. I'm going to say ego. Ego is often a word that we put negative connotations on. I don't mean it that way. The impressive amount of competitiveness that must exist within him. Is that a the correct way to say it? It exists within him the way the spirit of the Peloton bicycle exists within Christopher Corso. I was I don't... about
2: to say, I need that spirit when I'm, when I'm riding and I want to give up every... 10 seconds
1: totally totally (laughs) totally guys let's do a couple of quick hitters here with quarterbacks I'm going to throw you a quarterback battle some of them are going to be obvious some of them are going to be non-obvious give me your quick response to uh to any thoughts you have about it as we walk through camp the Chicago Bears Mitch Trubisky versus Nick Foles Chris
2: I mean I think it's Mitch Trubisky's job to lose Nick Foles is coming in there as the new player Uh, But I think Nick Foles is the better quarterback right now. And if I'm a Vikings fan, I'm rooting for Mitch Trubisky to win that battle.
3: The amount of people that are hyping up the new Mitch Trubisky makes me lean towards Nick Foles at this point. Anytime the media they say everybody's doing the right thing and go with that guy, the other guy usually jumps in, so I'm going Nick Foles.
1: Listen to me. I am wrong all the time. But I have thought, I still think, and I will continue to think that Mitch Trubisky is not good enough at football to be the starting quarterback of the Chicago Bears. That first season, he got an insane – that defense is one of the best defenses I've ever seen in my life. He played on a short field with no fear of having to catch up ever. This is Nick Foles. The only thing that's really interesting here about this conversation is will Nick Foles finally go from a one-hit wonder to a franchise quarterback? That's my talker for the Chicago Bears. Uh, Next up, Las Vegas Raiders. Derek, I haven't been as good as I used to be, Carr, versus Marcus, I haven't been able to stay on the field, Mariota.
2: Chris? Yeah, I think it's a great move by by Gruden bringing in Mariota because you kind of – Carr has been the starter there for so many years, and he's kind of become a mediocre quarterback in this league, so uh, it's going to be a battle. I I think Mariota, this is like his last chance. He finally gets a fresh start with an awesome team in Las Vegas. I might think Mariota can go in there and win that job.
3: For me, I think Derek Carr, because I think he's still got that deep ball and with the amount of speed, I know the Raiders always add speed. Like you said, there's a ton of weapons there. I think for both of them, you touched on something, both of them are are getting to the point where they're fighting for their last chance to be a starting quarterback. I think Derek Carr will step it up here this year in, at, in Las Vegas.
1: What's really interesting to me about Derek Carr and what I really don't understand, I, you know, and I, I try to pay close attention, I'm not in deep with the Las Vegas Raiders. I'm surprised. I, I, I don't quite get it because I still think, I still have it in my brain that if you handed me Derek Carr, I would take him immediately. So Jay, I think you're right. I think it's a crucial year for him that he has to prove that, that he is still that guy. Uh, this one seems like a foregone conclusion, but it'll be really interesting if one of these guys played like they played last year. One of my favorite quarterbacks, the Indianapolis Colts, one of my favorite quarterbacks in the league, Philip Rivers, amazing two years ago, rough last year, gets a chance to prove that that didn't have anything to do with him in a new spot in in Indianapolis, versus Jacoby Brissett, who has done nothing but prove himself adequate if they need somebody to step up, Chris.
2: I'm going with Philip Rivers. They bring him in as the free agent acquisition. I think they almost look at him as the missing piece, which I don't know if that's true. They do have a good team there in the Colts, but I don't know if Phillip Rivers is still that quality of a quarterback. So, But I think he wins the job at least to start, and we'll see what happens from there.
3: I think Phillip Rivers had a little bit of PTSD going on last season where he just kept hearing footsteps every time he snapped the ball. I think going into a place like Indy that also has some serious weapons, I think a guy like F- Philip is looking at it similar to Tom Brady or like Favre did in 09 where it's like, this is my chance to prove with another team that I'm not washed up. And he he even said on online that he's hearing the the, the scuttlebutt from everybody and he says, I don't think I'm done. And I think he's another guy that's got a huge chip on his shoulder and you know he's a huge competitor. So I think Philip Rivers is going to fight like crazy to, to take that starting job in Indianapolis.
1: Hot take alert. I think Phillip Rivers might be one of the best quarterbacks in the league this year. And I don't think that based on any evidence. I think that because last year in the Vikings Entertainment Control Room, I got in an argument with pretty much everyone who works at Vikings.com about how good I thought Phillip Rivers was. And they all drugged me through the mud. And so I need Phillip Rivers to lead this team to 12 to 13 wins and an incredible quarterback rating throughout the season. So I can be the most insufferable person at the TCO Performance Center. I love Phillip Rivers. I think he's a loyal guy. I think he's a good dude. I think he's one of the most underrated quarterbacks of the last 20 years. And I'm happy to see him in a place where if he does play like he played two years ago, he's competing in a pretty wide open conference for a chance to go to the Super Bowl. Uh, outside, since they're the AFC, outside of the Vikings, I can't think of a guy in the league right now that I would rather see go to the Super Bowl than Phillip Rivers.
3: You just want to cheer for a guy who wears a bolo tie and, and basically swears like he's in church. So he, he, he's one of those guys that he tries to do everything right, but it's the bolo tie that really puts him over the top, right, Sai?
1: He would hate your Peloton t-shirt, Chris. You could never put a bolo tie on that. All right, Chris was able to sit down with Hercules Mata'afa, another player who was receiving some praise during Verizon Vikings training camp. Chris, thank you for doing this. Let's just pop right into it and listen to him talk about everything that's happened with him since he came to the team as a 2018 undrafted free agent.
2: What is up, Vikings fans? Chris Corso here on the Minnesota Vikings podcast. With Hercules Mataafa, he has a big time opportunity this season in that three technique spot. What's going on, man?
0: Hey, thanks for having me on the show. Uh, I'm doing good. We're just out here playing ball.
2: So, Coach Zimmer, Coach Zimmer came off the practice field the other day and said very good things about you, saying that there is an opportunity for you to take a ton of snaps. At the three technique position this season, what is your feeling on that? I saw you tweeted out that you feel blessed and you've been waiting for this opportunity.
0: Yeah, I just look up, look back about uh, at all the hard work I put in uh, over the course of the years I've been here, and uh, you know I'm excited to be able to have my opportunity this year, and I know it's going to be a big year for me. We love it.
2: We had you listed on the website at 254 last year. And I saw a tweet where you're standing on a scale, and it says 289 in weight. How the heck did you put on that much weight this offseason?
0: Uh, man, it's hard. It's hard to maintain that weight, and uh, I've been slowly, kind of, just finding my mid level where I'm like really supposed to be at. So right now I'm weighing around like 283, 280. So I'm in that range right now, and uh, you know it feels good. Uh, It's definitely helping me with the double teams this year. uh, shows that practice and uh, you know it's something I'm excited about it's something I worked really hard to to get there and uh, you know just put in the hard work and I'm just going to continue the grind did you eat like a bunch
2: of cheeseburgers during quarantine or were you like doing squats in the gym or something like that
0: I had my mama's cooking
2: what kind of cooking is that
0: you know I come home to a, a, a pizza some steaks uh, pork ribs uh, some Hawaiian barbecue. I don't know if you ever had some Hawaiian barbecue, but. Sounds awesome. If you haven't, I, I know there's no Hawaiians out here in Minnesota or Polynesians out here, so maybe you have to come over and I'll, I'll throw, throw some stuff on the grill for you. I'm a big foodie, so
2: I would love that. Look, going back to your days in Hawaii, that is very unique for an NFL player to grow up in Hawaii and learn how to play football. What was the football scene like over there just growing up? in such a, a place where football isn't as as big and, and prevalent?
0: Uh, we, we don't play on the actual football field. You know, we play on dirt and rocks and pebbles. You know, it's really just like that gritty, gritty uh, backyard football field when we put on the pads back in Hawaii. So, you know, that's where the toughness in me comes from, and uh, I think it shows, and uh, I think it's kind of um, contagious in a way. And I think uh, my peers around me, like the way that i go out there and go about myself
2: so you go from hawaii to washington state where you were just an absolute monster the the thing was you were kind of undersized but you go in there and you have a career 21 sacks with the cougars over there how do you describe your ability to get to the quarterback in college and now translating to the nfl
0: coming off the ball it gets me excited it gets me juiced and uh you know i it just gets me going and i want to get to the quarterback and, uh, uh, I want to hit them hard, and I want to get them to the ground. And there's no better feeling in the world than doing that. Uh, looking back with the
2: Vikings, you come here as an undrafted free agent. You make the roster, the 53-man roster. What was that feeling like, to not be drafted, get the call from the Vikings, and come here and make the roster?
0: Uh, you know, uh, I got a big family, so everybody's always on me saying, hey, Herky, I go out there and do your job. You know, they're really hard on me when when it comes to that. So, you know, I take it with a bunch of seriousness, you know, never backing down from any opponent and just going in there, keeping my head down, uh, being my playbook and, you know, just be a real student in the game and learn how to play football for real. Because once you get here, I feel like a lot of people really don't know how to read like offensive formations or things like that. That's something I had to learn. That's something that's making me a better football player.
2: In 2018, you tear your ACL, which just has to be absolutely heartbreaking after doing all you did to make the roster. What was that feeling like? And describe coming back from that to where you are today.
0: In a way, it was kind of a double whammy because I left college early as a redshirt junior, and I declared it to draft, and I went undrafted. And then a week into the OTAs, I was playing linebacker, and then they finally moved me to a defensive line position. And then a week after that, I tore my ACL. So I was like, I thought I lost my opportunity. But, you know, uh, Coach Dre really, uh, he brought me into his room. And, you know, he really sat down with me and said, he he thinks I could be a great player. Uh, He just wants me to put on the weight and uh, just continue to lift weights and do what I need to do to be the player I need to be. And, uh, you know, I just took that head on. There's
2: players, veterans, people all over the NFL that really give Coach Dre the credit for what they've done in this league. What can you say about the relationship that you guys have and when he comes to you and says you're a good player, how does that make you feel?
0: Uh, Just to see the history of guys he coached in the league and how long he's been doing it. uh, There's a certain uh, respect just based off the criteria he's been able to uh, accumulate and that goes for the respect of the game too. You know, I, I respect all my coaches and uh dre is a guy that you know really believed in me and my capabilities of what i can do and you know he's a real players coach in that way and uh you know anything he says you know i'm I'm gonna go out there and try to do it my the best way i can
2: looking I, i was reading an article that you do not wear gloves out on the field when you're rushing the passer Is that like a a thing that dates back to your days growing up in Hawaii, being able to feel the dirt? Or why do you not wear gloves when you're out on the
0: field? Really, it's just preference, you know. Uh, But I like getting my hands on guys and out physically in my opponent. Everybody's out there wearing gloves, and I'm not wearing any. So, you know, it's just kind of my personal thing, uh, just to be tougher than a guy across from me.
2: So in the preseason last season, you sack Teddy Bridgewater on an awesome play where you get to the quarterback what was the feeling like to get back in a game and have a sack on a quarterback like that?
0: Uh, it was really, like, uh, forthcoming for me because after all the work I put in off season to rehab my knee and get bigger, get stronger, you know, that was the first game of my NFL career, and I was able to go out there and get a sack, and it was a relieving moment for me. Dream come true, really. And, uh, you know, that's the only thing I ever grew up thinking about was just sacking uh, all-time legends and, you know, all all the greats in the game. And, you know, it's just keeping me motivated.
2: So I can think of an undrafted defensive tackle who was undersized and was a Hall of Famer for the Vikings, and that's John Randall. Can, do you do you know a lot about his game? Do you look at his game? Do you kind of frame your game after his?
0: Oh, that's the thing. Uh, Dre kind of hit at me. He said uh, I remind him a lot of Johnny, and, you know, I go in there – He 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 put some special film on for on my iPad for me to watch watch John Randall rush the quarterback and you know he's just a he was just a tenacious vicious dude in there and you know I just want to kind of imitate that in my own way and make it my sort of deal.
2: I think you got to do some trash talking if you're trying to be like John Randall.
0: Yeah, I'll get that coming.
2: I love it. When you see a guy like Michael Pierce decide to opt out the big free agent acquisition for the Vikings um, this offseason, he's no longer going to be on this roster for the upcoming season. What does that mean for you to have that opportunity to fill in and be the starter on this team?
0: Well, for anybody that ever played football, they always know that one term, it's always the next man up. And that's how I'm feeling right now is like I have my big opportunity ahead of me and you know I got to capitalize on it and I'm the next man up. So I need to go out there and execute what I can do.
2: We touched on a couple veterans on this team that have been here for years, Linvald, Joseph, Everson, Griffin. Those guys are no longer here, but they definitely left an impact on some of you younger players in the, in the locker room. So what kind of impact did they leave on you?
0: Those guys were a big, big part of what I am right now because just because I was able to talk to them, uh, you know, if Dre doesn't really explain anything, I don't want to ask Dre the question. I'll go and ask uh, Everson or, LJ. And, you know, they're just kind of that big brother in the room. You know, they took care of the younger guys in the room. always, always try to coach them up when uh, we, we feel like we, we weren't really understanding what, what was being taught at the moment. And, you know, in that sense of way, in bet way, it, it was a big brother, little brother type of deal.
2: Last question. I can't let this interview go by without asking you about your first name, the name Hercules. It is an amazing name. And tell us what that means to you and your family.
0: Well, definitely not being good if I was 5'3 and 160, right? You <laughs> probably wouldn't be talking about my name if I was 5'3 and 160. But uh, when I was born, uh, I was the heaviest of seven kids, and uh, I weighed 10 pounds, 10.6, I think. And my name was supposed to be Anthony, but my mom looked at me and she's like, that's a big boy. We got a name him Hercules. And that was the end of it. That's the story I know.
2: Well, that's certainly a football name and the name of a Minnesota Viking. I love it. Thank you for joining us this week on the Minnesota Vikings podcast. And I cannot wait to see what you do in the middle of this Vikings defense next year. Thanks, man. Appreciate you, big dog. All right, have a good one.
1: Chris, that was fantastic. Thank you, as always, for getting these guys and getting them to talk to us. Uh, Other things to check out, On vikings.com, as we progress through training camp, Tom Pelissaro from the NFL Network was in town for training camp on Tuesday, did a bunch of live hits, did a one-on-one with Zimmer. Check all of that stuff out uh, from Tuesday on vikings.com. Our team reporters, Eric Smith, Lindsey Young, and Craig Peters, are ripping through content. You can hardly keep up as a fan. Keep tuned to vikings.com for that. And as always, check out all of our social media platforms for the latest updates on everything Vikings, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, YouTube, boys, any final thoughts as we are now just three weeks away from our official, first official NFL games taking place. Uh, Any final thoughts on Verizon Vikings training camp or the state of the team?
2: Yeah. I'm keeping my eye on a lot of these young players as they take every rep, with as much effort as possible. That's one thing I've noticed because you can tell these young guys realize they do not have the preseason game reps to show off what they can do for the Vikings. And we've seen the Hercules Mata'afas of the world that make this 53-man roster as an undrafted free agent. So continue to keep an eye on the young players rather than the established players in the next three weeks.
3: I know the team is doing everything that they can to prepare for whatever the state of the stadium is going to be like. But I also know that there's going to be some practices coming up. They're going to be utilizing the different audio levels and trying to to get used to what a simulated game day is going to be like. And I truly am excited for the fact that in three weeks, when it is going to be a live, real NFL football game, we're going to get to see what kind of bells and whistles the NFL has been developing in the background. And so I'm just continuing to pay attention to what kind of stuff is coming out, not only from the team and from the state, but even from the NFL. And as more and more teams kind of pull the veil back on what their plans are, we're finalizing ours in a similar fashion. So we've got three weeks and it's all going to come to a head. And as long as everybody stays healthy and the train stays on the tracks, I'm looking forward to NFL football come that second week of September.
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much, Chris Corso, Jay Nelson. Thank you guys for listening. We will see you next week.